Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a relationship, dating, and sex coach based in Kansas City who just loves to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. Be warned, you should be 18 and over and probably be listening with your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. Social media influencer and blogger Teresa Malley stopped by my show. She focuses on health, fashion, and body image, and she really seems to want to help women of all walks of life love what they've got and feel good in and out of their wardrobe. It's about feeling good in your clothes and in your skin, and it doesn't matter what your budget is. Her story of growing up in poverty in rural Iowa has really helped shape how she moves about the world, and we talked about her ongoing recovery from disordered eating, as well as being open about mental health. I loved hearing her perspective, and I think that you will too. Thanks for listening. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you being on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So Teresa and I got introduced by a friend and fellow podcaster, Ryan Westa with Neandertalk Podcast. So how did you meet Ryan? Instagram. I probably met him too. <laughs> yep, I followed him on Instagram mostly because I was like, oh, these podcast guests are all local. And then he DM'd me like not even 20 minutes later. He's like, hey, I like your feed. You should come on my show. Like that's how I'm pretty sure that's what he said to me. Like, I like your photos. Come, like, come and talk. So tell us what you do. So I am, I guess what you would call a blogger or a social media influencer. So I don't really like being called an influencer. Um, if you actually listen to the Neanderthal podcast, you're actually going to hear me go on like a five minute diatribe about that. But um, I work a lot in the wellness and fashion space, especially on Instagram, mostly because I think there's kind of a void in the blogger world that really doesn't speak to people who don't have a ton of money to spend or they are just very budget conscious. For example, we were just chatting about like the Nordstrom anniversary sale and like while it's great that Nordstrom's having a sale this summer, for a lot of people, even those sales prices are still prohibitive for them to be able to shop there. So where can you find budget-friendly deals, whether it's Walmart, Target, um, local sales? And then I talk a lot about wellness. I've lost 65 pounds and I... Yes. And I've also, I'm in recovery from an eating disorder. So I like talking about wellness in a way that isn't like eat four raspberries or cut bread completely out of your diet. Mm -hmm. I think a big part of like what I like blogging about is realistic solutions to both fashion and wellness. Love it. Mm -hmm. Love it. And I do like your feed as well. I'm sort of following you recently too. So yeah, I uh, was hanging out with Ryan and we recorded another episode and Mm -hmm. he was like, you really need to talk to her. I think that she'd be a good guest for your show. So I'm glad you're here today. Well, thank you. So Teresa and I met for coffee the other day just to, you know, chat about some things and we definitely have a lot in common. Definitely have some some similar goals for wanting to get out there and, um, you know, build a brand for ourselves and I also have lost 65 pounds, so mm-hmm. I, I know that struggle and, and then I also kind of know that struggle of, um, you know, reassessing your clothes, reassessing your wardrobe, but also not having a ton of money to spend, right, you know? Yeah, I, I think for me, it's always been, I've always been kind of cheap. Um, I grew up in rural Iowa, actually. Um, my family didn't have a ton of money. Um, as I had mentioned, my dad actually worked in a packing house, and my mom had picked up some work throughout my childhood. But um, it wasn't to say we didn't have, like, all our needs met, but it wasn't like we would just go to the Nordstrom anniversary sale. And plus, if you're in a rural area like so many Americans are, the nearest shopping was a Walmart a half hour and 30 miles away. And internet shopping wasn't it, what it no, is no, no. now. 
Like, I can't imagine what my life would be like if I were a teenager now and I was able to buy myself all these clothes <laughs> from China on Amazon. I would totally do that. But, so I think I learned out how at an early age to basically take, like, hand-me-downs from my cousins, clothes I could find at, like, Dollar General and Walmart, and then things I would find at garage sales and, like, make a fashionable wardrobe and find name-brand clothes that I, like, I could go to school and, like, blend in with my upper-middle-class classmates. Mm-hmm. And... I think after that, like once I became an adult and I'm, so my full-time job is actually, I work, I've worked in advertising for about 10 years and I work for a local ad agency um, in compliance. Mm-hmm. I work in medical marketing. And so it's like, yes, I can very much afford these brands now, but I still have that mentality of, I'm like, why am I paying $200 for a pair of jeans right. when I could get something at those exact pair of jeans at Goodwill for 10 bucks, or I could just wait and wait till they go on sale or I could go to another store and find a duplicate of them for 30. And so I think like I still have that mentality of like I I don't have a ton of budget but I still want to be fashionable. I've always I was a creative kid. I'm a creative adult too. So I just like getting scrappy and finding those solutions was like really I was really driven to do it. So you're you're sharing with the world how to take those approaches that you've found mm-hmm. and apply it to their wardrobe. Yes. So I think I also take that approach to wellness too. Like I think it's very easy to walk into Whole Foods and like buy $200 of food and yeah, it's probably going to be healthy, but um, I kind of like to paraphrase J.D. Shulton. He ran against Steve King in Mile District in Iowa. I'm from Southwest Iowa. Mm-hmm. And he talked about we need to stop, the Democratic Party needs to stop approaching it, like Whole Foods customers and start talking to Dollar General customers. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> someone finally put this into words for me because yeah. I'm like some people the nearest Whole Foods for me was an hour like an hour away but what can you find in a food desert what can you find in a rural area like it's not the end of the world if you shop at Walmart right. like what what do you have available to you and you don't need to spend hundreds of dollars every week just to eat healthy or eat keto or paleo but yeah mm-hmm. yeah I mean that, that I worked at Jenny Craig for a long time and the cost of food is something that's very prohibitive to people eating healthy. It is. Whether it is the things that they think that, or they're being told they need to buy, or, or again, it's just these programs that have unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. Maybe sometimes it's a combination of the two. But yeah, I, I see mm-hmm. budget being something that really keeps people from feeling like they've mm-hmm. got any control over their diet. Mm-hmm. And I think something that kind of scares me is in the wellness sphere, not just social media, but like in the weight loss world in 2019, is that there's two camps of, if I buy this wrap or I buy these $300 worth of milkshakes and I'm going to lose weight, well, I'm like, well, yeah, you're eating at a deficit, calories in, calories out, yep. because all you're drinking is milkshakes, you're going to gain it back as soon as you start eating solid food, or um, I also see this camp of like almost like in a way, disordered eating. Like, for example, um, I was going to a, a local boot camp gym, for, and I lost, like, 20 pounds. It was the lowest weight I've ever been since I was in fifth grade, for the record. Wow. I was working out five days a week. I was lifting weights. But I couldn't figure out, like, why at work I was so cold all the time. Like, I would mm-hmm. sit there in, like, the long sleeve t-shirt, jeans, and, like, knee-high boots in the winter, and I would have to have, like, a blanket wrapped around me. And my coworkers were like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And mostly it was because I had my family practice doctor actually look at the diet, and he, like, freaked out at the time because he said, you're eating, like, I was only eating 18 grams of fat a day. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not, like, yeah, of course you're going to be burning through fat because you're not getting any in your diet. Yeah. And I was, stu- I was eating at like an extreme calorie deficit. And these were people who were air quote trainers and nutritionists telling me to do this. And I think like that, getting to my point, 
I think that's what kind of scares me about like social media health and wellness influencers is this mm-hmm. idea that like I can pay $500 and take this blogger's health coach seminar or I listen to this person at a gym who says like even though they're a personal trainer they might not be a licensed nutritionist and they're also telling you to do something on social media that might not be safe or st- sustainable for you. Yeah. So I try to serve as an antidote to that too. It's like you can eat everything, like you can eat healthy, you can eat mostly clean or whole foods, basically meat and vegetables or protein and vegetables and like have, you can eat bread. It's not the end of the world. If you have a diet Coke, you're not going to like explode into cancer. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I want to have, I, it's important that I have reasonable solutions. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. I, we need that out there. We mm-hmm. really do. There's such extremes out there right yes. now that I, I mean, I had this conversation with a coworker recently when she was talking about keto and I was just like, mm, I had the hardest time biting my, I couldn't bite my tongue, honestly. Right. I was just like, well, well you're doing that now. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fine for your weight loss. But what are you really learning about healthy eating habits overall? Cause this is not a maintainable solution and also no. a lot of people do it wrong. Yes. So I think one of the one of the things I learned along my weight loss and both my eating disorder recovery journey is it's really easy to get into this trap of I'm only going to eat clean foods or I'm only going to eat certain food groups and cut out other ones but then like your brain gets into the cycle once once you're in that restrictive cycle you're going to kick yourself out the moment you see a Hawaiian sweet roll. Hawaiian sweet rolls and homemade noodles are my two weaknesses when it comes to carbs. I'm like, heat-seeking missile. I'm like, I smell a Hawaiian roll. Where is it? It's two floors above me, but I'm going to find it. <laughs> Got a Hawaiian sweet roll with uh, turkey and mustard. It's one of my favorites. Ooh. I'd like for make, lunch one day. I make miniature like, um, melts with them, like ah. ham and Swiss melts. They're delicious. Mm. They also have um, hamburger buns now, and that's a problem. <laughs> oh, damn. Yes, I love them, but... I think what gets really dangerous about that is it, if you tell someone to cut out an entire food group and that's all they have to do, like with keto, just cut out all the bread and you can eat whatever you want as long as there's no carbs in it. You know, I've gone on Instagram and I've seen these girls who are huge keto bloggers and they have like 20, 30,000 followers, but they're eating at the Chick-fil-A drive through like every day and they're like slathering it in ranch dressing and like that's how U.S. News and World Reports actually reported, like, the keto diet is one of the worst diets for you because basically if you're eating a pound of bacon and you're not getting any fruits and vegetables because it's air quote low carb, you've, one, not learned anything about nutrition, and two, you've not learned anything about whole foods. Right. And I think that was something I really liked about uh, Diane Sanfilippo's approach to Keto Quick Start. Um, so Diane is a New York Times bestselling author. She's She wrote Practical Paleo. I'm sure you've seen it like at Costco or mm-hmm. Barnes & Noble Books. And she came out this, this year with Keto Quick Start. And I was actually one of the bloggers chosen to help promote her book. Cool. Yeah, it was actually, she's a very cool person. And I really liked working with her. But one of the things I really appreciated about her approach to keto was, yes, you can eat low carb. And yes, you can eat like a cleaner diet that's mostly ba- mostly plant-based, mostly meat. But you can't just go out and slather everything in ranch dressing. If you're going to eat, if you're going to change your diet, it should mostly be whole foods focused. And I, I really like that because I also felt like that served really well as like a, a foil to the Chick-fil-A ranch dressing bacon people that I've seen on Instagram. I know these people eating all this bacon, but they won't eat a banana. Yes. Okay. Didn't I send that Instagram? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I sent this yes. Instagram post and it was like, oh, keto, you can drink all the Diet Coke you want and eat bacon, but you can't have a banana. And that's just wild to me as someone who loves bananas. Like, I could eat banana. This is something weird about me. I don't like banana-flavored anything, but I will eat bananas in, like, every form. Like, I love bananas on bread with peanut butter or nut oh, butter. Yeah. Which, oh, yeah. Which, 
which is like a guilty pleasure of mine because when I was like recovering from all these restrictive eating habits, I was terrified of bread for the longest time. And it's still something I struggle with. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, do I want to get my food with or without a bun? And honestly, now the decision is, is it a good bun or is it just a crappy 99 cent bun? Like that's my decision making process at this point in recovery. Mm -hmm. And so bananas with nut butter and then like on a whole grain piece of bread was like the first thing I ate that was basically carbs on carbs that I wasn't, I was terrified of it. It was very scary for me to eat bread and bananas to the point I like ran upstairs to my husband. I'm like, guess what? And he's like, I know you're making breakfast. So what? And I'm like, I ate a banana on bread. And he's like, Oh, okay. Bread's a big deal. I get it. But he was like, kind of looking at me like this little thing of like eating banana on bread, but such a huge deal for me because I'd eaten such a carb restrictive diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how far are you into your recovery? If you don't mind me asking. You know, it kind of ebbs and flows. And I Mm -hmm. think one thing that no one ever tells you about recovering from disordered eating or an eating disorder is it's not this linear where it gets better over time. It like, it, uh, it's kind of a cycle of you getting better and worse, better and worse. And I kind of look at it as like, I started struggling with body image and food when I was probably about 10 or 11 years old and now I'm 30. And so I have to like reset myself from like almost 20 years of like negative body image and negative food, like perceptions of food and like how much my weight has gone up and down since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I think a big part of it is like learning what triggers me. For example, something that's really hard on me is, um, I'm someone like, I like to plan my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So like, for example, today I had a really light breakfast. I just had a coffee and a layer of bar because I knew we had catered lunch at work today. And one of my favorite coworkers had her baby shower. Mm-hmm. So it was like, and I knew, I also had a pretty good guesstimate that I was going to have uh, veggie burgers before I came here. So it's like, I like knowing like, this is what I'm going to eat today. And it's structured. I know I'm getting enough nutrients. I know I'm eating enough calories. But if someone walks up to me and is like, hey, down on the second floor break room, there's a bunch of cookies. Like I'm someone, someone who struggled with binging. It, mm-hmm. It's like, I can't do it. Like It like really stresses me out to the point. Like I've had to ask some coworkers. I'm like, if there is junk food, please don't tell me about it. It's just... No, I can't mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important to be mm-hmm. honest with yourself. And hopefully those people have also been supportive mm-hmm. and are, are yeah, listening no. to it and, and, you know, respecting your wishes. They so. very much are. And I'm really thankful for that. Good. But Good. And I also noticed something I've done since I was a kid is I had a great day. I'm going to go treat myself to this giant sandwich or pizza. Mm -hmm. I had a bad day. I'm going to go treat myself to this pizza. I am really bored. Let's spice up my day with some pizza. Mm -hmm. And that's how I've like definitely been since I was probably 11 junior high. And I use food to like comfort me, to celebrate, to make my life more exciting. When I'm stressed out, the first thing I want is Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. And I started realizing when I started like losing weight and trying to be able to keep it off, was I'm like, I have to be mindful of those moments. I'm like, I want to go face first into queso at Jose Peppers. <laughs> and why do I want to go face first into Jose Peppers? It's just a, it's just Wednesday. Like, yeah. why? Yeah. And so kind of recognizing what, like, my binging triggers were. And so mm-hmm. having to work on that has been really, really tough. Oh, that's honest. Mm-hmm. And I get what you're saying about it being more cyclical rather than, yes. than linear. Mm-hmm. So... When you were kind of when you kind of got into this journey, what what really made you make this transition into kind of developing your Instagram page and and putting yourself out there as as a blogger? So it's a really kind of a wild story that started in about like mid to late twenty sixteen. I had started an Instagram account. 
But um, I was actually working at a little startup agency in St. Joe. And if you listen to my Neander Talk podcast, you hear me talk about the endless French fries that went viral. Mm-hmm. And I had worked in social media for about three or four years. Previously, I was at a local college and I was at that agency. And I kind of realized, I'm like, I'm really good at this. Why don't I, why don't I start blogging? And so the interesting thing was I, did, I didn't have the balls to start blogging until 2018. But for a couple of years the copywriter in me came out. So it was like everything I was posting on Instagram and Twitter was written from like the lens of a social media manager. I couldn't just be like, oh, like here's my brunch. Like a normal person could, like my brain went into work mode. Uh-huh. And so I was living in St. Joe. I moved to Kansas City in May 2017. And my way of like getting out and getting to know people was like, I just started volunteering for things that I'd always like followed on Instagram. I'd been really excited about. And, um, I had two really cool opportunities happen to me like in the same week where um, through some people I know I was actually asked to do like help every year with Planet Comic Con social media. So I lead, I work with the agency and I work with the Planet Comic Con staff to like lead the team of volunteers that get all the social media and live stream coverage for the, like the event at Bartle Hall. And I also had emailed um, the former uh, director of PR for Kansas City Fashion Week because I'd met her a few times. I'd actually, this is a fun fact, in 20, November 2016, I actually auditioned to be a model in Kansas City Fashion Week as like a plus size model. But it kind of turns out I'm like, no one really knew me, first of all. Second of all, I hadn't walked since I was in the Miss Iowa pageant. Uh-huh. And third of all, I was like, I'm a size eight. And I think Mindy Kaling said it best, like, designers hate size eight women because it's like, you don't have the willpower to be super skinny, but you're not like balls deep in hedonism. And like you either eat a ton or you're just naturally bigger or naturally smaller and you're just kind of there. And so I think I didn't really fall into either camp, but what it kind of taught me was I had met some people while I was auditioning. And one day I just like pitched it to Kelsey. I was like, Hey, do you need anyone to like help with the bloggers or anything like that or help backstage or anything? And she initially, she emailed me back. She's like, no, I don't really need anything. And then one day, this like the day after I found out I got the Planet Comic Con gig, I get this email from Kelsey responding to me saying, hey, actually, I changed my mind. Can you run check-in for bloggers? And I like went through my building screaming. Like I went up to my coworker, Megan. I was like, guess what? I'm running check-in for bloggers at Fashion Week. And she just like kind of looked at me like, that's awesome. I'm excited for you, but you're really hyped for like a Thursday at 4.30. Like she just like, I think I scared this poor girl, this poor media planner to death. And she's like, I'm happy for you, but Teresa, I need you to calm down about your excitement. She was like, Don Oliver handing me like, please, please stop. So March rolls around and I'm backstage at Kansas City Fashion Week, like helping these bloggers check in. So part of my job was to kind of like look at their social media, recognize them, see who they brought in, get to know their photographers. And it was really cool to meet these local women. But then they all started coming up to me and being like, so what's your handle? And I'm like, it's, this is how I got my blog handle, which is my first and last name. That was my original Instagram handle. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, Teresa Malley. They're like, yeah, that's your name, but what's your uh, your Instagram handle or what's your blog name? I'm like, eponymous, Teresa Malley. And so I was so embarrassed and caught off guard by it. And so finally at the end of Fashion Week, we were standing there after the Saturday evening show and I said something to Kelsey like, oh my God, these fucking bloggers. They keep asking me if I'm a blogger. And she looks at me, she goes, who are you kidding? You write like a blogger, you post like a blogger. You need to like woman up and just become a blogger because you could be a damn good one. And it was finally like the kick in the butt I just needed. It was basically like I was afraid to go on stage and put myself in the spotlight because I'd been behind the scenes of some like bigger 
like bigger local brands in terms of Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I think I just needed Kelsey to like literally push me out onto the stage, like be a stage mom and just push me. <laughs> and so that is how I started blogging. And it's been kind of an interesting ride over the past year and a half. I've had some like really high highs where I like it to do things like fashion week or share what food I'm making and um, kind of share some of the photography I do on the side. Um, but then there's also been some low lows kind of like, um, one of the big ones was recently I had done a paid partnership with a brand and then they ghosted me and they're refusing to pay me just because that's what they do to all their bloggers. Oh. So it's like just kind of adjusting to that world. So it's a really interesting hobby of mine. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you making money at it? Um, so I don't exactly make money on it, but the, where I think I find more benefit is I sometimes get invited to cover local things. Like I was invited to go to a soft opening of Parlor, the restaurant in Midtown, mm-hmm. which I'm like, yeah, if my husband Anthony and I go to this, that's like a $60 evening. That's worth it to me. Like I get free food. What am I going to spend my money on? Probably fried chicken or a chicken, like chicken fingers. So mm-hmm. that's fine with me. And I actually get like a lot of free product. I, and I think if I became like a bigger blogger, if that's like in the cards for me, I would, I would hopefully start getting paid, but I'm also just fine getting free stuff and having a creative outlet. Mm-hmm. So Hmm, maybe I need to step up my blog game. I got so focused on this podcast. I mean, I haven't been writing as much lately. Well, see, the interesting thing is a lot of people on Instagram, a lot of influencers and bloggers are kind of stepping away from Instagram, mostly because the algorithm keeps changing so much. Basically, it was very similar to Facebook pages maybe seven, eight years ago where Facebook is starting to force people to pay to play to get that reach to new people. Like I have friends who they are bloggers with 20, 30,000 followers on Instagram and they're like, 500 people only saw my post. I used to get 2,000, 3,000 people seeing my post. I don't know what to do. And it's across the board. It's fashion. It's wellness bloggers. It's food bloggers. It's just reaches way down. And so I think in the next year, you're going to start seeing a, a lot of pivot from influencers and bloggers, not just posting on Instagram saying, click my like to know what link or watch mm-hmm. my story. It's going to be more, hey, go click in my bio. I'm on this other social platform or I'm writing in long form or listen to me on this podcast and like almost making a pivot back to like traditional media methods. And I think that's what we're going to start seeing in the next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite podcasts I listened to, Call Your Girlfriend. Yes. They said a couple of episode, a couple months ago that uh, podcasting is the new blogging. Everyone's got a podcast these days. That's fair. <laughs> then part of me is like, maybe I'm getting into this podcasting thing at the wrong time, but hey, I'm here doing mm-hmm. it. So I don't know. I like writing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, it just sometimes I, it's not that I feel uninspired, I just feel like it's sometimes easier to sit down and just talk with somebody for an hour rather than mm-hmm. try to feel like my thoughts are valid or even do the research. Definitely. Back it up. Like, yes, it takes, it takes more time. I feel the same way. Like, I'm someone who I'm inclined to just jot things down in the notes app on my phone or in Google Docs over my lunch hour at work. But to like sit down and write 500 to 1,000 words, I'm like, Ain't nobody got time for that, and I don't want to have to edit it, and then doing all of the different formatting on the back end of your website, when I'm like, I could just go on a podcast and, like, bullshit my way through it. I have the gift of gab, so I'm like, maybe this is my calling. Yes. Yes. I, I had said to somebody recently that I wanted to have my own radio show, and they're like, no, oh no, 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 you need your own TV show. My secret dream ever since but I was... I like this medium. I like it a lot. See, my secret dream is to be, like... To either have my own book, like my dream is to have a book, something similar to like It Was Me All Along by Andy Mitchell, where she kind of talks about like how she evolved, like she lost 135 pounds and like worked through the trauma of losing her dad 
and how, like, she kind of grew up and, like, lost weight at the same time in her early 20s and then became this major blogger with cookbooks. And she talks about, like, the trajectory of her life and how they all kind of interlocked. I would love to write a book like that. I would also like to be like Chelsea Handler and just have like a Netflix special where I just talk about random things. I love Chelsea Handler. I do too. Chelsea does crack me up. Like she, she did a Chelsea does drugs one. No, I haven't seen that one. Oh man. Is it good? She goes and does a ayahuasca retreat in oh, South America. Oh boy. Yeah. It's pretty intense. But that yes. show where she just picks a different thing mm-hmm. for every episode. Um, God, what were some of the other ones? I forget, but the Chelsea Does Drugs one sticks out to me because eh, drugs and behavior have always been fascinating. To yes. Me. So what's your overall goal with your blog? Are you trying to eventually grow that into your own personal brand and a business eventually? Yeah, that's kind of my goal is kind of like almost like the Rachel Hollis approach, mm-hmm. if you would. Like, you know, she has books and she has a website and she actually coaches people. And I think, I think my calling is less to be a fashion blogger or a wellness blogger, but over time I would like to be like Rachel Hollis where she's motivating people and speaking to people and writing and really helping them get to where they want to be like I think like my life story has been interesting enough not just my childhood but my adult life as well that I think I would have some insight to share with people and be able to be more motivational and I see that the pivot I'm going to go into the back end of this year is talking how to hustle how to motivate yourself like I think it's too simple to just be like, buy this, buy these clothes or buy this food to lose weight. Cause I'm like, if you want weight loss or workout tips, I can tell you a hundred magazines or blogs, but I want to really help people dig in and like examine why do I do the things I do and how do I make myself going better going forward? And so I see a pivot into being hashtag hustle mm-hmm. in 20, the end of 2019. Very good. I mm-hmm. like that. And hustling doesn't, feel like hustling when you're hustling for the right reasons. I mean, yeah, you're go, 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 mm-hmm. but there's this, okay, there's a difference between hustling and busy, really. Yes. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. I think I heard Gary Vee talk about, like, being busy is bullshit. Right. And See, then we've got this, like, this, uh, um, it's, it's almost become, like, a, a form of porn, that this hustle porn. He did call it hustle porn. Yes, where it's like, I work so hard, and I think one time I was talking to one of my coworkers, and I was a... I was, I was selling newspaper ads and this older gal between drags of a cigarette was talking about, I was saying something about like, oh, that guy works so hard. He's here till six thirty seven o'clock every night when he could be home with his family. And she takes a drag of her cigarette and goes, honey, if he actually did his job well, you could get it done in eight hours. That's why work days are eight hours. And it like always stuck with me. Yeah. I'm not saying that you shouldn't work right. late or like burn. Sometimes you're going to burn the candle at both ends, but it's like, if you're consistently doing that, I'm like, where are you wasting time? Yeah. So I think like, and I also, I used to spend a lot of time on my blog content. Like I was really nitpicky. It would take me hours. It was like this whole thing like a year or so ago. And my friend, he's actually a mental health, like social media influencer. His name is um, Sinclair. Mm-hmm. Sinclair Caesar. He lives in Baltimore. <laughs> and he, I one time said, I'm like, how do you push out this most much content? I was FaceTiming with him and Sinclair goes, I don't. I spend my Sunday afternoon and I schedule out everything in Hootsuite. I schedule out everything in an Instagram app. And I'm done with it. And he's like, you have to consolidate your workload, especially if you have a full-time job and this is just like a hobby or a side hustle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got to, it's about high payoff activities. Mm-hmm. It is about prioritizing your time and finding systems that mm-hmm. make it easier for you so that, yeah, you're not constantly, constantly grinding. It's just, mm-hmm. when you're hustling for the right reasons though, and you, your passion is coming out, mm-hmm. Like, it feels so different. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you could you could apply that same amount of energy to your 9 to 5 that you've got right now. Right. Versus 
this thing, this, you know, goal that you've got for yourself that's actually something you're passionate about. And it, it just shows differently. Like, yes. Yeah. And I also think like if you're trying to reach for a goal or you're trying to do something entrepreneurial in the sense, like you're building a brand or you're promoting a product, I think it's very easy. Like, cause you have to think of it this way. You're probably going to have a nine to five when, while you're doing that, at least for a while. Yeah, probably. But it's like you, you have to prioritize that, but you also have to prioritize your growth as well. So it's like, how do you do that? So something has to give. And so it's like, you have to find efficiencies in like most areas of your life to be able to continue performing at that level. So you can continue to scale. Because also if you think of it, this is my startup time coming out, is if you don't have a process that's replicatable or easily replicatable, it can't scale. And scaling in the concept of like social media and startups basically means whatever you do is replicatable, no matter how big or how small you are, the business process still works the same way. You're right. Mm-hmm. So if it's efficient and it actually achieves your goals, you don't need to tweak it as much as you continue to grow. And it doesn't become more cumbersome as you continue to grow because you've defined the process and mm-hmm. the content will come after that. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that's one thing I have kind of struggled mm-hmm. with. I've got a marketing guy and he does a lot of my posting, but like my mm-hmm. regular stuff and like obviously my writing, like that's got to come from me. I don't mm-hmm. have a ghostwriter. I don't have anybody that kind of right. does anything for me on that. So but. I think one of the things I'm going to do later this year to like create some efficiencies like in my social media presences, I'm going to work with some smaller local photographers and Mm -hmm. start building out image content so I can just focus on writing content. Yeah. Like a lot of the photos I actually take, I honestly take with my iPhone on a tripod with a special iPhone extension and then I edit it in like the Lightroom app. A lot of bloggers, and I don't know if people realize this, or they actually do use professional photographers and they post it and everything's kind of pre-canned. And I was kind of judgy about that for the longest time. Like, oh, you want us to believe this is your content, but you have other people creating it. And now I get it. I'm like, if you have the image, you can focus on other areas of your life, other areas of your brand, or even just writing copy. But for me, it's important that I don't just like spend money on a fancy photographer. I also want like want to bring other women up the ladder with me. So I plan to work with a lot of like smaller photographers to help them build their brand. So now they have this portfolio of I've worked with bloggers or I've worked with people in different areas and help uplift their brands too. I think it's, I don't want to pull up the ladder behind me mm-hmm. if I ever did achieve some sort of success with my blog. Yeah. I struggle with including my image with a lot of my stuff. I don't know why that is. What do you mean by that? So like, I see a lot of bloggers or writers that have like pictures of themselves in, in their mm-hmm. content somewhat, or it's a picture of them doing something on their Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I, maybe it's still some of that self image mm-hmm. stuff that I struggle with. Um, that was the biggest thing for me too, is like making yourself as a human into a brand. Mm-hmm. And what I had to do for me to like have some sort of self-preservation while doing it, because I'm actually as extroverted as I am, I'm also deeply private. Same. And so what I had to do is like, I know this image, it's almost like a sanitized, almost like an ad of yourself. Like I create this content, but it doesn't really, it has soul behind it, but I'm also very well that I'm putting this out into the world and I'm creating an ad out of it and I'm creating a brand. It's not like me posting something deeply personal, if that makes sense. Like I'm able to kind of separate myself Mm -hmm. out. And I think that's how I acclimated myself to it is I would either, at the beginning, I would have to pretend like only five people are going to see this, two of which are my parents and one of which is my husband and maybe one of my coworkers. So it was almost like I was writing to them. So it's like when I post, sometimes I like think of maybe some of my coworkers or I think of some of my friends or my cousins and I'm like, 
I'm writing this as though I'm talking to you. I'm taking this picture as though I want to show this person I know this. Hmm. Because I also think it makes it more relatable. But then as, like, I've grown, especially throughout 2019, I've had to start looking at it as, yes, you're putting yourself out there, but how do you think models do it? Like, how do you think Tyra Banks does it? How do you think a lot of bigger speakers do it? They have themselves the brand or the blog, and they have themselves the person. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm trying to make sure, like, lately that I separate the two very definitively. I think lately that what's come to mind when I've struggled with like putting myself out there is mm-hmm. it's a combination of you know once you're out there you're out there there's no really mm-hmm. taking it back on the internet these days mm-hmm. unless you just delete a page right things just are out there in the ether and because I've had the weight fluctuations mm-hmm. I have seen a difference in how people have treated me when I've been overweight versus mm-hmm. when I've been thin and I don't fucking like it oh I don't either it's there's a difference in how much people look you in the eye Mm-hmm. there's a difference in how people will either open a door for you or not. Um, just how polite people are in general to you when mm-hmm. you are thin versus when you are overweight. It is a dramatic difference. It, there is a huge dramatic difference. So even in, in dating, I struggle sometimes with when men give me attention. I'm like, eh, fuck you. You wouldn't be talking to me if I was 20, 30, 40 pounds heavier. Mm-hmm. I have to kind of get over that because right. I, I am who I am. And mm-hmm. But I'm not an image... I'm not an image-focused person. I'm not saying that... Right. To put yourself out there that you're just selfish or right. self-righteous. Like some people do love their own image. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I don't want people to just focus on how I look. True. I don't want people to just be like, Oh, look at that hot sex coach. Cause yeah, I'm a pretty woman, but I, I don't want that to be the thing that draws people to me. You know, one of the things I've noticed about blogging to kind of piggyback off of that, like, yes, I noticed like a difference in how people treated me when I was overweight and when I was very, very thin. But one thing I noticed too is I like posting about food. I love posting about Young Living Essential Oils. I like posting about my cats occasionally. Like, <laughs> like I just like posting like other things. But they don't get the same engagement that posting a picture of myself does. And that's really hard. I'm like, I, it's very hard to be able to like, like almost do the verse. Like, I want to pull back and do something kind of personal. Like, I really don't get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was saying earlier that I'm a private person and that I, I don't, usually put my stuff out about like what's going on in my life but hey on this I'll talk about my sex life and trying anal and all that kind of stuff but yeah um, and I'm definitely one of those people like you know I everyone has that Facebook friend sorry you everybody has that Facebook friend that's like oh my gosh I got in a fight with this family member or I hate this person or they vague book and it's just like oversharing and my mom always had this adage of like you keep it positive yeah like you don't share the negative things about your life for the whole world to see and, like, now I think I've kind of revised that in the sense that, like, I post about negative things if I can put a positive spin on it. And I'm, like, I'm actually, like, open about my mental health. And I'm open about those things. But it's, like, I'm not going to tell you about the bad day at work I had or an yeah. argument with this person. And I think that like, that's kind of served me well in terms of, like, you know what my mom said about keeping it positive. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same. I, but, yeah, I had a breakup recently. Nobody on my social media knew about it. Nope. Only people that know me personally or that I talked to knew about it. Because I just wasn't going to put it out there. It's on the podcast now, but I've been talking about having a boyfriend the last couple episodes. So, yeah, I'm going to put like it out there that, like, I'm single again. It kind of reminds me of something one of my coworkers said. Like, she's like, mind your business. Handle your business. Like, yes. And it's like, I handle my business in private, not on Instagram, not on social media. But, yeah. One thing I found, one thing I think also helps me too was, and I really had to think about this in the spring. So Central Exchange, it's a local like mm-hmm. women's professional development organization. They had me be one of their epic thirteen like social media people coming oh, and talking. Oh, you were one of those. 
Yes. And so I I'm have like, a friend well, that was one of those. And I and they're like, what makes you confident? And I was like, I'm really just three raccoons in a trench coat, to be honest. Like, I don't know why you people have me on here. So I like went up to my boss and I was like, I'm not that confident. And my boss just like turned around and looked at me like, you, you're a human flamingo. And she like does this like hand motion at me. And I go home to my husband and I, and my parents and everyone, I was like, I'm not that confident. And like, even my parents are like, you're really oddly confident. And so like, I had to really like dig in and like go find that chubby fifth grader and be like, okay, how did I become confident? And I don't think it's necessarily that I'm confident. It's that I'm not necessarily afraid of rejection when it comes to my body image or I'm afraid of being laughed at because I was laughed at I was mercilessly bullied for 13 years like I, there was even a prom skit about me about my about my speech impediment actually Aww. and like my entire school laughed at me it was like a total like carry moment but it was Aww. like I'm sorry. I was 16. And I didn't tell my parents for like six months. And when I told my mom, my mom like was about ready to go Liam Neeson when I told her. Uh Like I was like afraid to tell my parents actually. And like I actually noticed after that that like I struggled with body image more after that. Like, you know, if I lose weight and I'm super pretty, I can control my circumstances. Mm -hmm. So that was the negative side effect of those experiences. But one of the positive things was if people talk shit about me or they were mean to me or they rejected me or I like wasn't one of the cool kids at college or work or whatever, it didn't phase me because it's like, I've already seen this shit. Same thing, different day, have the t-shirt and the trophy. I'm not afraid of it. And so I think that helps me in terms of social media. I'm like, if you're going to laugh at a picture of me or you're going to screenshot my stuff or you're going to make a mean comment, line up. I've had 50 other people do that to me in my life. And it almost like gave me this outer, like gave me this tough shell that I can take it if I, when I do get criticized. And I think the best thing I could tell these girls was, they're not girls, they're women. It was, go ahead and shoot your shot. Like, no one scores unless they actually shoot. Yeah. And I think it's important, like, you're not always going to win, but you have to be able to get comfortable with, like, the foxhole of rejection. And I think that goes for social media. That goes for applying for that job you saw on LinkedIn. It goes for relationships. It goes for relationships. And I mean, I'm not, it's not to say that you don't have to, like, you're going to be hurt by rejection. I could think of several rejections in my adult life that have hurt like hell, but you can't be afraid of coming up to that tide of rejection. Like it's, it's going to hurt. Yeah. If it happens, but you can't be afraid of it. You have to, you have to throw something to the wall and hope it sticks. Yeah. I think what you're really speaking to there is about being authentic, Mm -hmm. that authenticity is about vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And as Brene Brown has said, when you're vulnerable, sometimes you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah, but you're still responsible for showing up and being authentic yeah, and you have vulnerable. to show up. Nothing happens unless you show up. Like, like even if you went to the DMV, your driver's license isn't going to get updated unless you go to the DMV and actually do the thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're going to have a good experience while you're there, but you're going to walk out with a driver's license. And you have to look at approaching like any new opportunity, whether personal or professional, with that same amount of gusto and determination. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good DMV analogy. Oh, cat sorry yeah it's okay it's easy to get distracted by the cat when you're mm-hmm. here to yeah so podcast. i got distracted i was like oh cat um what was i saying Man, we're talking about authenticity and vulnerability yeah actually my favorite brenny brown quote and i'm paraphrasing this horribly and i know this is um i'm not interested in like i'm the man in the arena and i'm if not interested in getting your ass kicked yeah. right now i don't care about your opinion yes and yes. i can think of several people like that's applied to in my life like okay you've rejected me or you make fun of me or you've betrayed me. I'm like, you're not in the arena right now. Your opinion is totally irrelevant to me. 
her book Rising Strong. Oh my gosh, it's one of my favorite books. Yes. Okay, so I saw a thing online the other day that was talking about why people cry more on airplanes, and it's it's because of the stressful situation and all this right. stuff. And I I just tweeted, I was like, I thought it was because of the wine in the Brene Brown audiobooks. Because I swear, my last three flights have all been Brene Brown audiobooks, mm-hmm. and I just bawl profusely because mm-hmm. I'm having those moments. But Rising Strong, the entire book was about the man in the arena speech. Mm-hmm. And for those of you out there who are not familiar, that is about Teddy Roosevelt's speech, where mm-hmm. he talked about like the credit is due to the man in the arena who's fighting the fight, not the people in the stands who are cheering or jeering. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's, and so what she was basically saying that. She'd gone through that whole thing of doing her TED Talk and putting herself out there, and that was a big deal for her. And then she started reading the comment section. <laughs> Never read the comments. Never oh read the gosh, comments. No. Especially the Kansas City Star articles. I'm like, where oh, do you people come God. from? Oh, I wish that you also had to pay, not only pay to for comment. their content, but you had to pay to comment on their One dollar. Yes. Um... But now how she started reading the comment section, that was really what got to her. Mm-hmm. And she had to come to this realization that those people were not out there fighting the fight like she was. They were not out there getting their ass kicked like she was. And so, like you say, she said, your feedback does not matter. Mm-hmm. I have taken that quote to heart. I have too. So hard over the last two years. Because mm-hmm. with what I do, like... Oh, you know, yeah. you walk up to someone in a crowd and say, I'm a relationship dating and sex coach. You get some feedback. Mm-hmm. You put stuff out on social media, you get some feedback. Oh my gosh, like, you know, blogging or like, even like my family commenting like, oh, you don't visit your parents enough. And I'm like, I visit my parents enough. I just don't post about it on Facebook for you to see. You yeah. are not in my arena right now. Your opinion is irrelevant to me. And so I've come up with two rules. If you don't have my cell phone number or you haven't talked to me in the past six months, like on some app and I know you in person, your feedback is irrelevant to me. I also don't take any shit or any opinion seriously of someone who does not use their profile picture and real name on social media. If you're going to say something terrible or if you're going to post something on the internet, you need to back that up. Don't just like have a fake account unless you're a brand. Like if, um, mm-hmm. Speaking of which, did you see that article on Twitter about the Mr. Peanut thing on Vice? I don't think that okay. I did. Okay, to recap the Mr. Peanut thing, there's this horrible <laughs> Vice article that came out this week that was basically like, I'm this like super bougie hipster white dude in San Francisco, and I decided to tweet death threats to the Mr. Peanut account, like Planters Peanuts, because mm-hmm. I just wanted to see what would happen, and it's not a big deal because Mr. Peanut isn't real. And I'm like, oh my God, how dumb do you have to be to not realize there is a social media manager, likely underpaid and overworked, that has to answer all of these. And as someone who once got death threats from a brand because of something my brand had done, like, yeah, it is horrible. It is taxing to you. But it's like, I don't take anyone's opinion seriously if they can't back it up or take responsibility for what they say in some way. Yeah. It's like one of the weird weird internet principles I take. It's a good approach, though. Mm Mm-hmm. Because otherwise it is easy to fall into that, like, spiral of Mm -hmm. self-doubt and not thinking your work is good enough. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, we already struggle as artistic people with feeling like our work is worthy of putting it out into the ether. Yes, or it's like the worst part about social media, especially if you're a very sensitive, empathetic creative, is Mm -hmm. I put this work out there and it's great and, like, 
100 people liked it or something. And then you're like, look at this other blog post blogger and like they post like literally nothing and get a thousand likes. Or you see these people like for me, something that was hurtful for me along my journey was like seeing all these influencer events, but it was always the same bloggers getting invited to things. And like me and other people didn't get invited. And so I kind of had to apply the arena quote, like they're not in my arena. I am not in theirs. I'm going to tend to my own in this case. But um, going back to that idea, like, it's very easy to compare yourself. Even if your work is good, someone's is always better, especially mm-hmm. on social media where it is literally quantified in your face. And it can be really hard for creative types, I think. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. I struggle with comparison. That's right. something that I'm working on. <laughs> but, yeah, I get that. When I look at other people's social media pages or just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I always think that there's someone better, smarter, prettier, stronger, whatever, whether yes. it comes to relationships or work and things like that. So I'm, mm-hmm. it's maybe that's the only child in me. I just yes. always think about there's somebody else out there better, mm-hmm. but I'm just working through that. Yes. But it's hard when you're, our businesses are being built on social. Yes. And so it's hard to not look at numbers and then mm-hmm. create that comparison. Or like, why is this person's stuff better than mine? Or like, why is my stuff not doing well? And I think the easiest thing to remember is like, we're all at the behest of Mark Zuckerberg at this point between <laughs> Facebook and Instagram. Right. He wants to make money. He wants to make people pay to play. So it's like, sometimes how many likes or how much reach you get isn't even a metric of your content. It might just be a metric of the algorithm just didn't like you that day. Some random mm-hmm. ma- math equation. You posted at the wrong time. You posted at the wrong time. There was time. a bunch of new yeah. stuff getting posted at the same time that was yeah. trending. Mm-hmm. It got buried. Mm-hmm. Other people are retweet. Like it's just our feeds are so curated by math equations that it's like, yeah, something didn't do well, but that might just be a, something that happened on a server 400 miles away. Don't sweat it. It's hard to keep that in mind sometimes, especially mm-hmm. when you're first getting started. You're like, I posted this thing. It's great. And then you get like eight likes and you're like, okay. Okay, that's interesting. I did see a friend who was, when Instagram was down last week, mm-hmm. she was like, what's going on? And everyone's like, oh, it's just down. She's like, damn it. Right when I get done with like a great video, I was about to hit post and see down. What I do is I'm, I had that happen to me once. I actually use like the apps in my phone are built in. I record it as a hard copy of my phone and then I just upload it because yeah. I've gotten suckered by that a couple times. I'm like, oh, I made this really great video. I'm like, ah, oh, great. Nope, it's it's gone. Yeah, I tend to do that too. Or I'll, mm-hmm. I even have a really nice camera. I'll record stuff on there and put mm-hmm. on the SD card and then upload mm-hmm. it. Uh, yeah, everyone always says you got to have like a backup for your backup. Whether you're recording a podcast, you should be recording on your phone, mm-hmm. which I'm not because I can watch the recorder and make sure that it's fine. Uh, or again, just, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I've had times where I thought that I hit record and I didn't. But luckily it was just a mini cast and I was on my own. So I just got to talk again in my closet for another 15 minutes. What are your, uh, like, short-term goals for this? So you say you've got kind of like a plan starting for 2019, it sounds like. So I'd say my short-term goals are to, as I mentioned, work with those lady photographers here in Kansas City um, and start creating some content and having some content, like visual content, so I can actually write more. My second goal is to get out more and just start meeting people in real life. Mm-hmm. I, it's kind of hard when I live by the plaza, but I work out in Overland Park, like there's my day. Yeah. 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. is basically taken up. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and I don't even think like I'm necessarily going to try to get out in like the Casey influencer space. I think I want to go out into like women in technology and women entrepreneur spaces because I feel like I have something to contribute there, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of the direction I want to take my like hustle smarter approach to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think my third goal is just to like um, 
start writing more in long form, start being on more podcasts mostly. So I, I feel like I'm a very long-winded person. And I feel like Instagram captions don't really do me justice in that regard. So I wanted to start writing on my blog again, start being a guest on other podcasts and mm-hmm. start going that route. Have you thought about starting your own podcast? Oh my gosh, no. I have too much, too much. I've got, <laughs> I work full time, I'm married, I have two cats, I have a young living business, and I have a blog. I'm like, this is enough. Like someone's yeah. like, do you want to go do a photo shoot? I'm like, I would like to sleep. I want to do something <laughs> that involves athletic shorts and a sports bra. Please, oh, nothing God. else. I hear you. I'm, I've reached my cap. The podcast has put me at my cap. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think that's where so, I'm at. Like, I'm good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, hey, any podcasters out there that are listening? I know there's a couple of you out there that are listening because you've reached out to me. If you want to have Teresa on your show, I will make sure to have her information handy for you in the show notes. Yes. Please note that I am not actually three raccoons in a trench coat. That's just my Twitter <laughs> bio. I love that. I mm-hmm. love that, though. So, we'll see. Well, I'm going to edit this out. Is there anything that you felt like you would like to cover that we No, yet? we covered a lot of Bernie Brown, which was great. Yes, I love her so mm-hmm. much. In fact, I kind of want to rewatch her special because mm-hmm. I'm just in that headspace where it's mm-hmm. like, well, it's time to get that in my life again. I just like sat there with like a bunch of like Sutter Home wine, like a family sized bottle, and just like cried through Bernie Brown. And Anthony came home from hockey and he was like, are you okay? He's like, it's like the time you drank a family-sized bottle of barefoot wine and you started crying because something sad happened to Ducky on Law & Order SBU. He's like, you're doing that right now. And I had like a blanket wrapped around me with my giant thing of wine. Uh, yeah, the first time I watched the Brene Brown special, I definitely was sitting there drinking booze and smoking my vape pen and crying yes. profusely. And then one of my Airbnb guests came home. I was like, I'm sorry. And, yeah. It's open. She's like, you just Brene. gesture at Brene? Brene Brown. And she went, oh, it's I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. What can I say? But I think I fell asleep. I think I like cried myself into mm-hmm. sleep where I was just like, I just need to lay down for a second. I think I actually did too. I was like hugging my cat in a hostage situation and we both just like fell asleep on the couch and he, he was in a hostage situation and I was passed out. Like, She had me cry within five minutes. Five minutes mm-hmm. that woman does it to me. Mm-hmm. Swear to God. Rachel Hollis just makes me want to like go out, like be like, hey Alexa, play some Beyonce and just like go out and like kick some ass and like some spandex. That's how I feel when I listen to her. If you haven't heard her, her podcast, hers is my, one of my favorites along with Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eyes. Those are my two favorites. I love JBN so much. JBN, oh my God. Oh, Jonathan is the most. I love He's him. The most I'm I love so him. ready for season four. Yes. I wanted to nominate my dad for Queer Eye, mm-hmm. and I, like, posted, like, I don't know who's getting nominated. I tagged him. He was like, what the fuck? Oh, my gosh. My favorite part is my my boomer parents. I told my mom offhand, like, oh, Jonathan Van Ness's podcast. And I, like, didn't think my mom would listen to it, and I was actually, like, setting up her new iPhone. She went from an iPhone 5C to a 10. Oh, my God. And I was like, whoa. And so, like, my mom with, like, facial recognition was, like, a whole thing. But, like... And I was like, I was like looking through her podcast and she had like the Neanderthal podcast and Taco the Town and some of the other podcasts have been on and then like randomly Jonathan Van Ness's podcast. I was like, oh my God. My dad's like, who the hell is that? Only the best hairdresser ever. I had to explain that to my dad and he just like looked at me and like walked off to get a beer. I actually got to meet three of the guys when they were here in town filming. I am so jealous. I tried so hard. Like I used to live downtown up until a couple months ago and I was like, I'm jogging my too late, like jogging very slowly past, like never saw them, but everyone else did. I met and talked to Bobby at the gym because mm-hmm. we went to the same gym. Uh, actually, I was like talking to one of the trainers. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, it's Bobby and it's Tan. She's like, do you want to meet him? I was like, no. No, no, it's but, okay. But you have okay. to. It was like, she's, I was like, like, she's like, no, Kristen, they are the nice people. I was like, I don't want to interrupt Bobby's workout. And she's That's, like, no, come over with me right now. 
And she feels she's like, Bobby, this is my friend Kristen. Kristen would like to meet you. And I was like, I'm so sorry to interrupt your work. And he's like, that's okay. I was like, and I started tearing. I was like, I think I, I love what you do. I was just like oh, audibly. You know that like white girl screech where you sound like somewhere between a human and a pterodactyl? Mm-hmm. I think that's the noise I would make. That's yep, the noise I would make it. if I ever met Jonathan. I'd be like, oh my God, like let's watch gymnastics together. I want to watch you ice skate some more, please. Oh my God, his Instagram stories. When he was learning to ice skate the Chelsea Piers, I was yes. watching all of them. Yeah. When he was so like much. watching them, like of my roommate, like my, my best friend at work, it'd be like, one of us would have a bad day. She's like, Jonathan is skating. And she's like, pop up with a phone, like above our cubicle wall. His, he brightens my day. I'm so happy mm-hmm. to see all of those guys get some of their own success. Like, Tan's got his own show now. Tan? That's the other one. Tan. He's got a show? Yes. I he, had no he idea. does it with um, comics. He's, like, dressing comics up. So, like, he did a oh Hassan Minaj that's got his own Netflix oh show. Who's, I can't remember the girl's name, but she, um, it, it's totally a character that she plays, but she kind of is like, mm, she's got big Schloss- red lips and... She dresses all weird. She's got her own Netflix show too. God damn it! What oh my it? gosh! I was thinking of Liza Schlesinger. I was thinking Party oh my God, Goblin. I love her. I love her. Party Goblin. Party yeah. Goblin. R.I.P. Blanche, <laughs> by the way. I just love her entire attitude towards life, and her social media is also golden. Oh her Twitter feed. Love she her. cracks me up. Love yes. her. Well, now that everyone out there knows all of our Twitter love, yes. and how much we love Queer Eye. When is season four coming? I know it's coming. It's like two weeks. Okay. I just heard this like an hour ago, but I'm like totally okay. forgot about it. Okay. It'll just happen on Netflix and I'll just start screaming and I'll spend an entire day watching it. It's fine. Yeah. You watch it in a sitting. You don't leave. Yeah, no. I, I, the last season when it came out, I think I watched it in one night. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I need more. I need more. I mm-hmm. watched two episodes over again. The Jones Barbecue episode was really good. Yes. And actually, if you, Jones Barbecue sauce is very good. It is good. Mm-hmm. Yes. I found it at the Brookside price chopper but you didn't hear that oh, from me and, like and i was the, like in like the barbecue section them. Yeah, they, no it was on an end cap it was just oh. like randomly there and i'm like they're mine nice yes we've got lots of great barbecue places but that one's definitely been in kind of like it's i had never seen it in any like the top lists mm-hmm. before and now all of a sudden it's up there and i'm like i'm sure nothing changed about their barbecue it's just it got exposure it got exposure exactly mm-hmm. it got the pr it got all that stuff and now people pay attention to it mm-hmm. and now it's right up there with like Q39 and all those other right. ones. So. No, I'm, I'm so happy sure. for them. I want those women-owned businesses. To survive so, and thrive. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, well, I'm glad that you're going to be out there well, working hard you. to you help too. women-owned businesses survive and thrive. Mm-hmm. I'll be happy to support you in any endeavor that you do. Well, thank you. So. Same to you. And maybe we'll need to go shopping sometime soon. Yes, we'll go shopping. I have my thrift stores. I have my favorite ones. I have a met, like... This is really dorky, but I have a matrix of how to find the best thrift stores. That's I'm for a blog, later blog post, so I'm not totally spilling anything. Totally down for being with you on your journey as you document for your blog. So, yeah, call me up anytime. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, well, thanks again for being well, on. thank you. Have a good night. You too. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. You can find me on pretty much any social media platform, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. But visit my website if you're wanting more information about my coaching services. You can even sign up for my email newsletter. I've got one that's not so safe for work called The Dirty Bird. A lot more adult content on that one. You can support this podcast through listener support on Anchor FM. 
or you can go to patreon.com and become one of my patrons. Just look for Open the Doors KC. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Thanks for listening.